So as we begin our message today, I want to ask you what your picture is of a mature Christian. So when you hear the words mature Christian, what comes to mind for you? For some of us, we might think about someone who's very devout. So someone who reads their Bible every day, someone who gets up super early in the morning and spends an hour praying and is very, very passionate about prayer. Someone who regularly attends church services and is a part of the church in a significant way and is very focused on doing lots of good deeds with their life. I would hope that for lots of us, when we think of a mature Christian, we might think of a leader or a mentor or someone who we've had in our lives who has really modelled what it looks like to follow Jesus. Someone who is loving and patient and kind and compassionate and really just lives the way that we know that Jesus lived. But I wonder if the question was posed to some people who were out in the community, whether they would think about those things. And so if we went over to Henley Beach Road and just asked some people as they went past, or if we went down to Henley Square, all the people having brunch and a coffee and a walk on the beach this morning, and said, what do you think of when you hear the words mature Christian? I wonder how they would respond. I think a lot of them would probably think of Ned Flanders, uh, someone from The Simpsons who's a bit of a pushover and pretty socially awkward and doing their best to try and be a good Christian but struggling with what that looks like. I think that some people would think of someone who never has any fun, so someone who wears a suit and tie and is very kind of together and makes sure that like everything's very, very serious and important and we've got to, we can't have any fun, let's just be serious about life. Sadly, I think that a lot of people would say when they just hear the word Christian, that they would think of someone who's very judgmental, someone who's very focused on the rules, someone who is potentially even hypocritical one way in one place and one way in another. And today what we want to do is to explore the journey that all of us are on, about what it looks like to have our lives transformed so that we can become more mature and become more like Jesus and to unpack that a little bit more. So we've been doing this series over the last few weeks where we're unpacking the core of who we are as a church. We've talked about being Jesus-centred and why Jesus is the centre of everything that we do together. And then we've talked about what spiritual family looks like for us to be authentic and accepting and encouraging and supportive. And today we want to finish things off by talking about seeing lives change. That we believe that when people centre on Jesus and focus on him in an environment that is authentic, encouraging, uh, accepting and supportive, that the result of that is transformation. And that's what God's passionate about, is us growing into the people that he created us to be, the best versions of ourselves and uh, that that he chooses to use us as a church uh, to allow that to happen in our lives, but also with the people around us. So you can grab your teaching notes out of Connect News if you want to jot things down as we make our way through the message. And uh, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 8. So if you've got your Bible, you can open up to Romans chapter 8, verse 15. Because this is a really amazing summing up that Paul gives us of everything that we've talked about so far. So he writes, and I'm reading from the message translation, Paul writes, This resurrection life that you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a child like, What's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we're going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. 
So part of the reason why we talk a lot about spiritual family is that this is language that Paul uses a fair bit. And even in just those few verses, you can see all of the family words that he used. So some translations will use the word Abba, which is a very intimate word that Jesus gave us about our relationship with God. Abba, which can be translated as Papa, as the message has done, or Dada, is this beautifully intimate picture of a a father-child relationship. It's certainly not this distant, a father is kind of over there and out of the way and not really engaged with the family. It's someone who's up close and personal. Paul talks about father and children. He talks about us being heirs. He talks about us being co-heirs with Jesus. All these images of family. And so Paul says, well, what does it look like to embrace that reality? If we have been accepted and welcomed into God's family, then what does it look like to live that way? And I love the way that the message puts that. It's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a child like, what's next, Papa? And I think that's a beautiful picture of what our relationship with Jesus can look like. To get up every single day, open our hands and say, what's on the agenda today? What's next, Papa, in all of the things that we've got ahead of us? What's coming up? And the picture that I have in my mind of that is of going away on an adventure holiday or even just any type of holiday where you go somewhere new. And so hopefully you've had these experiences with family or friends where you get up And each day there's this sense of adventure to say, today is a a day to be able to discover some new things, to be able to learn some new things, to be able to see some things that I haven't seen before. But knowing that I'm doing that in the security of family or friends, a group of people that I know we love each other and we get to share this experience together. That's the picture that Paul gives us of what life can be like for us as we embrace this idea of living as a part of God's family. That every day we get up and say, what, have, what is there to learn today? What new discoveries are there ahead of me today? How can I see things differently today than I ever have before? And part of what Paul says that looks like is discovering this unbelievable inheritance that's waiting for us. So it's a good question to ask ourselves, what do we think that inheritance is that God is going to give to us? And we want to remember that this is the same inheritance that Jesus has received because we're called co-heirs with Jesus. So we're going to receive the same inheritance that Jesus has received. So obviously that's not houses, it's not cars, it's not money, it's not shares and stocks as we often think about with an inheritance, it's something else. And I think the best way of understanding what that inheritance is, is eternal life. But even to be careful about what we mean by that, because we've talked before about how John in particular says that eternal life is simply to know God fully. And so when we unpack all of that and think about what that looks like, the inheritance that's left for us is a full, complete relationship with God. What God has always wanted for us, to be able to experience life the way that it was designed to be. So that makes sense that Jesus has received that inheritance and it makes sense that that's not something that because he's got it, we can't have it. It is something that all of us get to experience and receive. But the really amazing news is that's not just something that we have to wait for when we pass from this life into the next. But in actual fact, that inheritance is available for us to experience in the here and now. Because of Jesus, that inheritance is available to us every morning to be able to get up and to be able to receive. And so again, we come back to this idea of saying, what's next, Papa? 
What's next for me today as I discover more about what it looks like to live as a part of your family, to understand how amazing it is that I've got a full, complete relationship with you, that I get to experience life the way that it's supposed to be, with love and joy and peace and hope at the core of what I get to experience. So Paul then unpacks that further as he moves into the beginning of chapter 12. And these are some verses that we've talked about before, I've mentioned before, these are some of my favourite verses in the whole of the Bible. In verse 1, Paul says, So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. So Paul says, part of this idea about getting it every day and saying, what's next, Papa, is to place ourselves before God as an offering. Again, hands out and being able to say, God, here I am. What's next? What's on the agenda? And this idea of looking at an offering would have been something that was very, very familiar to the people that Paul was writing to in Rome. They were very used to going to the temple to make an offering or a sacrifice. And that normally would have been for one of two reasons. The first reason is that you would go and you would make an offering or a sacrifice to make up for the things that you'd done wrong. So you would go to a priest and you would say, I hurt this person, I did this thing, I messed up in this way, I didn't follow the law this way. And the priest would say, okay, well you need to make an offering, a sacrifice of this much to make up for what you have done. Now, Paul has spent all of the rest of his letter unpacking the ways in which Jesus is that sacrifice and saying, the good news is you don't have to make sacrifices anymore. The sacrificial system is over and done and you have been made right with God. It's all finished. The ledger's been cleared, forgiveness has been offered to you. But there was a second type of offering that people would make, which was an offering of gratitude and celebration. To be able to say, God, because of everything you've given me, because of everything that you've done for me, because I've experienced forgiveness, because I've experienced reconciliation in this context, I want to give you something to say thank you. And that's the picture that Paul is giving us of what it looks like for us to offer ourselves every day to him. To say, God, here I am. Thank you for everything that you've given me. Now I want to give myself back to you. And it's great the way that we read these verses. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. That's really what God wants from us, is to embrace what he has done for us. And I don't know about you, but that's so different to sometimes how I can think about my relationship with God. So often I can think about my life and every day the things that I have to do are about making up for the times that I've messed up. I just spend all of my time saying, I messed up and so I've got to make up for that. And that's what my relationship with God can look like. I've got to make up for this thing that I messed up in. But that's not what God wants for us. God wants us to be able to embrace what has been done for us, to learn and discover and live out of the freedom that is given to us, to be able to say, what's next, Papa? as we think about going to work, as we think about going to school, as we think about going to uni, as we think about going and volunteering somewhere, as we're sitting around eating a meal to be able to say, what's next, Papa, in the midst of this? And Paul even says, in our resting, in our sleeping, in the things that we do for recreation, those are opportunities to experience the freedom that God's got for us as well. And then Paul says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. 
but instead fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognise what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So as we get up with that expectation every day of saying, what's next, Papa? Paul says, just be conscious of the ways in which the culture around you might drag you away from God's best. Now, at times in the life of the church, we've interpreted that as a whole bunch of things that we do. So it's been a whole bunch of rules. So don't listen to that type of music. Don't watch those type of movies or those type of TV shows. Don't wear those sorts of things. Don't indulge in that sort of behaviour. And that's what we've said is not allowing the culture to impact us. This is actually about a much deeper question for us, to say why do we make the decisions that we do? Why do we do the things that we do in our lives? And what are the cultural values that we just kind of take for granted that shape those decisions that we make? Again, we remember that this is being written to the church in Rome. And so think about Roman culture for a minute, what you know about Roman culture military-oriented, very power-hungry. The whole focus of the Romans was to take over the world, and they did a pretty good job of it. But everywhere they took over was, you now need to become like us. Very focused on accumulation of wealth and displaying what that wealth looked like. Very focused on comfort and feeling good and life being amazing and throwing these wild parties that were far more outrageous than anything that we've probably experienced. The challenge for us is that 2,000 years later, in a completely different culture, a lot of those things, if we're honest, are still at the core of our culture. Consumerism and accumulation of wealth is a thing that we can easily take for granted. Update your house, update your car, get a bigger TV, get some new clothes, update, update, buy, 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 because that'll make you feel better about things. Power might look different to how it did for the Romans, it's certainly not military power, But at the core of it, if we're honest, our culture can be very focused on you need to be like us. And if you don't, then there are implications about the way that we'll treat you if you don't behave the way that we think that you should behave. Comfort is very much at the core of our culture. Life is supposed to be easy for us. And when it's not, that's really, really annoying. And so something's in the way of that. And so comfort is another cultural value for us. And so the challenge is to say, well, how much of those cultural values are aligned with Jesus' teaching? And we recognise that even if you know only a little bit about Jesus, those things are not exactly what Jesus talked about. When he talked about power, when he talked about wealth, when he talked about consumerism and consumption and individualism, most of the things that we embrace in our culture are very different to what Jesus has taught us. So, Paul says... Don't just allow the culture to shape you, but instead fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. And that's really the focus of what we're trying to get to today. To recognise that this idea of seeing our lives change, this idea of transformation, is what God wants for us. But that transformation is always from the inside out. It's not from the outside in, it's from the inside out. And that's a very big difference between what often we have seen played out in churches, which is very much about behaviour management. 
If we force people to do these things, if we impose a bunch of rules on people and say you all have to do these things and not do these things, then hopefully they'll change on the inside. And we know that that really doesn't work very well at all. And if we've spent any time with young children, we know the reason why that is, whether that's parenting or caring for young kids. We know that there's a couple of ways we can go about things. We can say, don't touch the oven. Don't run across the road. Don't hit that person. Don't hit your brother or sister. Don't, don't, don't do those things. And we can impose all those rules and they might work for a little while, but ultimately it doesn't really change them on the inside. When we think about that at a bigger picture level, we recognise that often what happens is that behaviour just gets suppressed. And we might not do it when we're around other people who are imposing rules on us, but the minute that we're out from under that, we will indulge in those behaviours or we'll hide it away, which becomes really toxic and unhealthy for us. Instead, what we need to do is get to the why of the reason that we're doing things. So we try to teach kids, don't touch the oven because if you do, it will burn your hand. So come over and put your hand near this and feel how hot it is. If you really touch it, you'll burn yourself. If you run across the road without looking, there's a chance that a car will come and that will hurt you in a significant way. If you hit someone, that's not going to solve a problem. It will probably create a whole bunch of other problems. We unpack the why and in doing so, we help a child to be able to grow to maturity to be able to develop. And that's the same for us, to fix our attention on God and say, God, help me understand why I make the decisions that I make, why I do the things that I do. And in particular, the ways in which culture shapes me and that I take that stuff for granted. But instead, I want to fix my attention on you and say, help me see things from your perspective. Help me understand what you're up to. Help me understand what it looks like to embrace Jesus' teaching. That's what a lot of the things that we try to practice on a daily basis are all about. We read the Bible so that we can understand and get to know Jesus better. We spend time praying so that we can spend that time with God. We spend time journaling to understand what's going on inside of us and what our thoughts are saying. We do all the things that we do so that we can stop long enough to fix our attention on God. And in doing so, allow that transformation to become uh, something that happens internally, that changes our motives, that changes our thoughts, which then changes our speech and our actions. And so that's what God's heart is for us. It's not to say, here's a bunch of rules. If you break those rules, then you've got to make up for it and somehow hope that you might be accepted if you're good enough. God's heart for us is to say, understand that you have been welcomed into my family. You are one of my children with all the rights and privileges that come with that. Now let me transform you from the inside out so that you can live the way that I always created you to be able to live, so that you can experience the best of what life is all about. And so for me, when I come back to that question that we began with, what is a mature Christian? For me, it is just someone who embarks on that journey on a daily basis. That none of us can become a fully mature Christian. We never graduate until we leave this earth. In the meantime, we're on this journey to say every day, what's next, Papa? What do you want to transform in me today so that I can become more like Jesus? And as I do, I become more mature. That's true. But that's the pursuit that all of us have as we move forward into this year. 
So I want to give you an opportunity to be able to reflect on that and uh, we'll use this question to do that. In what ways is God wanting to transform us this year? In what ways is God wanting to transform us this year? So for you, you might think about what this looks like for you. In what ways is God wanting to transform me this year? For some of us, it could be about taking that posture and saying, imagine if every day I got up and said, what's next, Papa? That could be a massive change in the way that we just approach life, to be adventurously expectant about what God's up to each day and in doing so, say, help me fix my thoughts on you, God, and see what you're up to each day. For some of us, it could be the challenge of saying, I've lived a lot of my life with behaviour management in place, where it is all about do this, don't do this, and I just feel this tension all the time about how much I've got that right. It's a completely different way for me to think about God saying, no, it's done, it's finished because of Jesus, and now live in the freedom that comes from that. God does want to do work in our hearts, but it is inside that transforms us, not imposing more rules on ourselves. So it could be something personally for you. could also be thinking about in what ways God wants to transform us collectively as a church together. And we talked about this a little bit at our board meeting on Monday night. The challenge of being able to say, with all the complexity that's ahead of us, do we actually have a sense of expectation about this year? Or have we just kind of gone into maintenance mode, whereas let's just get through the next week? Do we have a mindset about our church family to say, what's next, Papa? What are you up to in our life collectively as a church? And what are you trying to do in us as we move into this year? Paul uses the language of placing every part of ourselves before God as an offering. Are we doing that with all the different parts of who we are as a church family? Say, God, use us in all the different ways that we're shaped. Paul also talks about recognising what God wants us to do and readily responding to it. So what are the things that God's calling us to do and are we responding to those things? Or it could be zooming out a bit further and recognising that seeing life's change and transformation is actually about not just us but about what's happening in the neighbourhoods around us. That God's heart for our friends, for our extended family, for the people that we work with, the people we go to school with, the people we go to uni with, the people we live on our streets. God's heart for all of them is exactly the same, to experience transformation, to be able to understand that they're a part of God's family, to understand the the ways in which God made them to experience everything he'd created them to do. So as we head into this year, what would it look like for people to discover the amazing truths that we've been talking about over the last few weeks Are people hearing the good news about Jesus? Do people have an opportunity to experience an authentic, accepting, encouraging, supportive community where they can be themselves and discover what life is all about? But imagine what would happen if all of the places around us, all of the businesses, all of the schools, all the unis, all the different streets, all the family units, all made a decision to say, God, what are you up to and how can we join you in that? Imagine the experience that that would be for every single person who lives in the western suburbs around us. Imagine how amazing that would be. Part of that starts with us inviting other people on the journey with us to recognise we don't have it all together, but we do believe that there's more. And so how can we invite other people to say, would you be interested in finding out more too? Would you be interested in coming on this journey with us? 
I want to give you some time to be able to just think about it. It's a lot of different options. So as you head into this year, what's sitting top of mind for you about the transformation that God's got for us? And then I'll pray and we'll transition to communion. To help you unpack that further, as we head into this week, we've got another one of our health checkups that you can do, so you can grab one of those from Erin on your way out today, and this is, as it has been the last couple of weeks, an opportunity to dig into these themes a little bit more, and to be able to give yourself an honest assessment about where you're at in it, and out of that to see whether there are any key themes that might help you to continue to explore that question of what God's up to as we get into this year. So let's pray. God, we thank you for everything that you've done for us. It's so easy for us to take all of that for granted or to not realise it because of the different environments we've grown up in, because of the way that our culture shapes us, because of our different experiences. It's so radical for us to even try and grasp the reality that you have done everything that's necessary for us that we don't have to make up for the times that we mess up, that that's been dealt with, that we don't have to try and earn your love and your favour, that that's all been given to us, that every single day is an opportunity to get up and to just learn more, to be able to go on an adventurously expectant journey with you, to say, what's next, Papa? And so I pray that even as we head into the rest of today, as we head into this week and as this year unfolds in front of us, that you would give us a sense of expectation about what it looks like to continue to journey with you, to discover just how incredible it is that you have given us the opportunity to experience life the way that it was designed to be. But also that you want us to be the people who help others to discover that in their lives. Help us to encounter people where we can have conversations, to share the things that we're learning and we're processing and help us to have the courage to be able to talk about what that looks like. We know that your desire as we step into a new year is not that we would end the year the same as where we are, 
but that by the end of this year that we would have grown, we would have changed, we would have developed, not so that you'll love us more, but simply so we can experience more of you. And we know that your desire is that the people who are all around us, the people that we connect with on a regular basis would also be able to discover this stuff, that they wouldn't just continue to struggle and work their way through this year, but they get swept up in this amazing story that you've invited all of us into. So we ask that as we move into this week that we would do it with a sense of expectation about where you're leading us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.